the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Oh, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Mine, all mine. Van Halen, uh, first track off of OU812. And uh, welcome to you. Good evening, good morning, good afternoon, however you are consuming the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on this uh, Sunday, uh, first weekend in uh, March in the year 2023. Hope you're having, uh, hope you had a great weekend. Van Halen's OU812. We've got a lot of stuff to get to. We've got news and notes to get to. And uh, Jim Cook is going to be joining us a little bit later uh, in the hour from Sam Adams. We're going to talk about the new revamped version of Boston Lager. Um, But uh, Van Halen's OU812, I had postulated this about a week ago. Um, Of the four albums that Van Halen did with Sammy Hagar, this to me is their best work. 5150 was great out of the box. Uh, but, you know, I think a lot of people were kind of sour on it because it just it it sort of had still that David Lee Roth vibe to it, I guess. I think OU812 is where they really came together. Sammy's voice is fantastic. It, it never sounded better on the four albums than on this one. Um, Eddie's uh, guitar is amazing. Even though it's a lot of synthesized guitar, there's a little bit of keyboard, some piano in it because he wanted to continue to delve into that. Um Alex sounds great on the drums. Michael Anthony sounds great on the bass. The harmonies, though, of the songs, When It's Love, um, feels so good. All of that. A um, little funky with the blues. Um, it, it's, it's, it's a great album. It's probably their best album of the four, and I'll leave it at that. Now, we have a lot of news and notes to get to. And as I said... Um, Jim Cook is going to be joining us a little bit later this hour. I had a whole bunch of stuff for this first segment, but it, it, honestly, I'm probably just going to be talking about New Jersey and New Jersey breweries, and I'll tell you why. Uh, Governor Murphy, uh, a week ago, uh, on the 20, uh, 23rd of February, um, held a press conference to expand uh, on his revamping of liquor license laws, right? So um, they want to modify... The new uh, laws, or not the new laws, they're old laws. They're almost 100 years old, right? So Murphy in his state of the state said, we are going to do this. We're going to change things. We're going to blah, 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 and uh, we're going to expand access to liquor licenses. Here's the governor, uh, a quick quote from the governor here. Arguably, we should have gotten to this a long time ago. 
Now, it's complicated. Yeah, it's complicated. That's correct, Governor, Governor Murphy. It is complicated. It's been complicated for a very long time. So he held a hearing in Clinton, New Jersey, to outline a slew of changes, which would gradually phase out the ratio of liquor licenses to the population without impacting local oversight. New measures would also make liquor licenses more affordable, lift several restrictions on breweries, and require inactive licenses to be returned to municipalities. Murphy says new rules could bring 10,000 jobs annually and generate $1 billion in tax revenue. Okay. Uh, Clinton Mayor Janice Kova says this would be a major boost. The revenue and the, the ability for business restaurants to be successful comes from the liquor license sale, liquor sales. It's not on the food. Okay. Well, uh, all right. I, I, I don't know about that, but okay. Um, uh, if you want to base it on that premise that um, liquor makes them more money. Okay. Yes. Um, and are liquor licenses scarce? Yes. And we've gone through the reasons why. I mean, they're, they're basically a commodity in New Jersey. In New York, you pay four grand every couple of years, you get a liquor license. You can serve beer and wine. Uh, I think it's a little bit more money for a, uh, for a full license or whatever, but you can get a limited license to serve certain things. In New Jersey, you can't do that. You've got to buy the license from somebody who's probably had it for 30 years. It's built up to be a, a, a ton of money, and it becomes a commodity. Okay. State Assemblyman uh, Raj Mukhera is behind lifting restrictions on the breweries and distilleries. Listen to what he had to say. There's no reason that we shouldn't allow uh, on-site consumption if people, if the demand is there um, and artificially you know, keep them from being able to contribute to our economies. All right, well, the breweries already contribute almost a billion dollars in tax revenue to the state, but yes, could we improve upon that? Absolutely. Um, a lot of the breweries don't want to serve food. There are a number of them now that do want to serve food, or at least have the ability to have a food truck there. Um, uh, so, again, this is – and now, again, here's Governor Murphy again where he says they gradually phase out the ratio of liquor licenses in the population. It does not impact at all local review and local oversight, and that's a huge issue that we've heard. Okay, so yes, obviously they would have to review these things uh, in order to, you know, issue these licenses. But again, what the governor fails to understand, and again, he really didn't have any substance to all of this. Um, he, he basically just said, this is what we'd like to do. And then here's the kicker. Here's the kicker. He says he hopes that a law will be drafted and that he will sign it in 2024. Not this year. He's hoping that it gets done for next year. Now, Every state assembly and Senate seat is up for re-election this year. What's to say that if there's a, let's just say there's a wave of new people in, because there are, there are a number of people who are not running again, right? Let's just say there's a new wave of people. What's to guarantee that the new people that come in actually takes this up, uh, you know, in legislation, goes into committee and it passes through committee and it comes out. So he's willing to gamble that next year we'll pass something. Meanwhile, meanwhile, breweries are being hurt right now. Right now, okay? And when I posed the question to Governor Murphy back on News 12 a couple of weeks ago, and I said, you know, Governor Murphy, you have the ability to eliminate a lot of the restrictions on breweries with by executive order. Here's what he had to say on News 12. Uh, Albert, with all due respect, I can't. He can't. He can't. Okay? He can't. But yes, he can. You want to know why? Because the guy who runs the Alcohol Beverage Commission serves at the pleasure of the governor. He's not elected. He's appointed. It's an appointed position. He puts out rules. Now, whether the governor has actually read those rules, okay, or not, he has the ability to suspend them. He did it before during the pandemic. He could do it again. 
Okay. By the way, when when, when here's more from Governor Murphy on that on on News 12 on the Ask the Governor segment in January. Here, so helps on the way, Albert. Helps on the way. Helps on the way. Don't worry about it. Helps on the way. What help is on the way? There are breweries that are about to go out of business in New Jersey because they can't conduct business. They can't conduct business like their neighbors in New York and Pennsylvania. There are breweries that are losing money every single day because of the governor's inaction. The governor's inaction. Remember, this is what he said. Uh, Albert, with all due respect, I can't. I can't. Let's hear it again. Uh, Albert, with all due respect, I can't. That's right. I can't. Everything is I can't. But he can. Now, the fact that he said that, in answer to my, in response to my question, I can't, okay, tells me he's inept. You know why? Because he doesn't know his own rules. He doesn't. Oh, we serve craft beer at the governor's mansion. That's great. That's great. We serve New Jersey craft beer at the governor's mansion. That's wonderful, governor. That's wonderful. But you're, you're hurting businesses. You're hurting small businesses. You could solve this problem with the stroke of a pen. Oh, for those that don't want executive order to happen, guess what? I heard that there were actually a couple of bills in the pipeline at the end of last year that were ready to go, ready to come out of committee, ready to be voted on. I heard Governor Murphy put a stop to it. That's the rumor. I heard Governor Murphy said, no, 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 no. No, don't do that. I've got a great idea. I'll tell you in January at my state of the state. Really? This is your grand idea? Let's eliminate liquor license. Let's let's uh, let's redo the liquor license laws. Let's do all of this stuff. By the way, you know who's opposed to this? Yeah, that's right. The restaurant lobby. Completely opposed to it. How much money does the restaurant lobby have? Billions. Do you think that anything is going to happen? Well, and you know, let's face it. Nothing's going to happen this year. The governor has already said. I hope that a law. He said it in there. I hope that a law is drafted and I can sign it. I can sign it by 2024. That's what he's saying. That's what he's saying. It's amazing. It's amazing about his his ineptitude about how he just doesn't understand what's going on here. You have a segment of the population in New Jersey that has contributed to a, a billion dollars in tax revenue every year, okay? And you're preventing them from doing their business. You're preventing them. They don't want a lot. Now, I, I you know what? I don't blame the breweries now for saying, you know what? I want everything. If you're gonna if you're gonna put this on the table, then guess what? I want booze. I want you know. I want hard liquor. I want food. I want all of these things. I'll spend the money because I know I'm gonna make the revenue. Because if I have the choice of going to one place or the other, maybe I am gonna go to a brewery to eat, or at least give them the ability to have food trucks there without a competition. Especially in South Jersey, there is there's it's an oasis. It's a desert. It's a desert. There's there's nothing there. There's no food. It's ridiculous. Governor, I, I listen, I applaud the idea. I think it's great. I think it's something that should happen, but it's not going to happen right away. Okay? There are people that have spent tons of money. You're talking about ta- you're talking about giving people tax breaks over 10 years, 12 years, 15 years. How do you determine that? What's the formula? What's the formula for a guy who just bought his license 2 years ago at a million dollars? Come on. It, 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 this, it's misguided. It really is misguided. All right. When we come back after a short break, there's going to be more news from around the beer world, including Harpoon Brewery uh, doing a new THC beverage. Uh, we've got Platform Beer uh, basically going out of business uh, due to direct uh, issues with AB InBev. 
and a lot more. Coming up next on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Talking about the legend, the metal god, Rob Halford. Hellbent for leather. That from the, uh, what is it, Evening Star? I, I forget. I always forget the Killing Machine. Killing Machine. I, I always seem to forget the name of the album. Anyway, uh, that album came out February 28th, 1979, and really put Judas Priest uh, on a different plane of the uh, metal uh, pantheon of gods. We'll leave it at that. Um, we do have a really good show for you, and I've got a lot of news to get to. Um, Jim Cook, the man behind Sam Adams, is going to join me in just about 10 minutes. A fascinating interview I taped earlier this week um, with Jim, and um, it, it just, I, I love talking with Jim. I've talked to him a number of times over the years on this program, and every time I talk to him, I come away with knowledge, I come away with some, you know a different take on something, and... He never fails to put a smile on my face. Maybe it's because he's always having a beer while he's doing these interviews. I think maybe that's the maybe that's part of it. But he just he's been doing this for so long and he still enjoys what he's doing. It's you know, when you can when you can enjoy what you do, it it is not a job anymore. It's a labor of love. It becomes part of you. It's why I love the radio. I love creating. It's what I've always wanted to do. It's something I've wanted to do. Since I was 12 years old, and I get to do it now, uh, it's a long, strange path to get where I'm at, but I enjoy it. And never did I think in a million years that I was going to be hosting a, a craft beer show uh, for an hour on a radio station. Uh, I was the guy who thought I was going to replace Walter Cronkite on the CBS Evening News. That's who I thought I was going to be. Turns out it's a little bit different, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't change a thing. Anyway, let's dive into some beer news. We talked about this last week. Wet Ticket is doing this great thing. I actually did it uh, about a week and a half ago. Uh, if you uh, stop in Wet Ticket and you have uh, a four-pack holder that is either black, green, or red plastic, they will give you $0.10 cents for every one that you return um, on a, a beer pour, whether it's a flight or it's a full pour. It's a maximum of 50 per visit a day, up to $5, and it's applied to in-person draft sales of at least $10, any size pour and flight. So you've got to buy at least two beers in order to make it work, but it's worth it. You're going to get money back or money off of your bill. So Wet, wet Ticket Brewing in Rowway, New Jersey, again, black, green, or red plastic four-pack holders. They are not taking six-pack holders. Now, we teased this last week. I've got some more details here. Uh, thanks to Laura Badish at the Badish Group. She works with the, She's working with the French Cheese Board over on Spring Street in Manhattan. So on Tuesday, March 14th, from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m., uh, we'll be pairing three cheeses from the French Cheese Board and three beers 
from Torch and Crown Brewing, which is right up the street. I'll be moderating the beer portion of it. I believe somebody from the French Cheese Board will be moderating the cheese portion of it. Uh, three cheeses, three different styles of beer, and Torch and Crown is the brewery that's supplying the beers. It's really cool. Um, once we have all of the other details finalized, I believe this is really for influencers, uh, beer influencers and cheese influencers only. I don't think this event is open to the general public. If that does become so, uh, become available, uh, we will talk about it on next week's program, and I will give you all of the details. We'll also publish it on social media as well. But it's going to be a lot of fun again, Tuesday, March 14th. French Cheese Board over on Spring Street in Manhattan from 5.30 to 7.30 p.m. Now, Frank Morano, I have to, uh, former um, uh, producer of the Joe Piscopo Show, uh, and uh, former host on this radio station, he now does a radio station uh, a little bit down the dial uh, on the overnights. He sent me this recipe, and uh, I had known about this because I'm I uh, I have read Atlas Obscura, which is a great book if you want to learn about all different types of um, you know different foods and stuff from around the world. Um, so George Washington had a beer recipe, and you can find it. Uh, we'll send out the link. Um, but I'll, I'll read it to you basically real quick. It, it, you basically take a large sifter full of bran hops to your taste, boil them for three hours, strain it out in a 30-gallon uh, cooler, put in three gallons of molasses while the beer is scalding hot, or rather drain the molasses into the cooler, strain the beer on it while boiling hot, let this stand till it is a little more than blood warm. Okay. Uh, then put it in a quart of yeast if the weather is very cold, cover it over with a blanket, let it work in the cooler 24 hours, then put it into the cask, leave the bung open till it is almost done working, bottle it that day, week it was brewed. That's the recipe. I've heard a number of people have done this recipe, and they said the beer tastes horrible. But again, beer back then and beer now, two, two totally different things, um, which is something we get into with Jim Cook in a little bit, about how the traditional methods still work and technology has helped improve the brewing process. Take it for what it, what it is. It's on the New York Public Library's uh, website. Uh, I will tweet out a link to it. You can click on it. If you feel like uh, trying to decipher it and, and dive in, by all means do so. Thanks, Frank, for that. I appreciate it. Uh, Cape May Brewing Company is excited to announce their debut craft beer variety 12-pack. It includes four of their flagship brews and a range of styles. Cape May IPA, Always Ready Hazy Pale Ale, Cape May White, and Longliner Lager are the four beers that are in the 12-pack. Uh, from crisp and balanced to juicy and hazy, it features something for everybody. 12-packs are available now within Cape May's uh, distribution footprint. Harpoon Brewery, uh, a couple weeks ago, came out with a new kind of THC beverage that invites fans to savor its non-alcoholic, low-calorie, innovative recipe. It's made in partnership with Massachusetts novel beverage company, uh, Recweed, is a hop-forward yet approachable beverage made with 5 milligrams of THC, real passion fruit uh, puree, green tea and hops at only 25 calories, and 3 grams of sugar per can. With tropical juiciness and citrusy hop notes, uh, Recweed has a clean, crisp finish that encourages consumers to kick back at the end of a long day and unwind with a new kind of drink in their hand. It is brewed similarly to a session ale, but without fermentation meaning it has no alcohol content. It's available in 12-ounce slim cans with a suggested retail price of $6.99. It's available year-round at recreational dispensaries throughout Massachusetts. You have to be 21 or older to purchase it. Drinkrecweed.com for more information. Our good friends from Founders uh, has announced the Green Zebra Variety Pack. Bold and refreshing variety pack features three new unique flavors, 
It'll be available. Uh, it's available now in the tap rooms at Grand Rapids in Detroit. Uh, it is available in uh, 12 packs, 12 ounce cans uh, coming up this month. Three new flavors. Uh, you got watermelon, peach, mango, and pineapple. All four flavors come in at 4.6% ABV. And then uh, platform beer. Uh, which was founded in Cleveland by Paul Benner and Justin Carlson in 2014, was then sold to AB InBev uh, back in 2019, and it seemed like there was going to be unlimited opportunities for this beer. Unfortunately, they've closed all of their operations. That At their height, they had three facilities in Cleveland, a flagship tasting room, a 60-barrel production brew house, a sour beer operation called the Funkin' Ship. Uh, well, uh, on February 27th, uh, of last of two years ago, the staff walked out uh, claiming low wages, and they, you know, AB InBev wasn't uh, negotiating with them properly, and whatever, et cetera, et cetera. And now, uh, Columbus's tap room never regained their footing. Their Cincinnati operation closed after that, and then they've decided now they've closed everything. And Anheuser Busch has basically said we're still going to make a couple of their uh, IPAs, um, but the breweries' uh, locations are no more, which is sad. And and unfortunately. Um, in the reality of this business, especially when you're owned by a big company, um, if things are not going your way, they are very quick to cut you off and say, that's it, it's over. And that's not good. I understand the reasons why platform beer sold. I understand why almost all of them sell. But sometimes this is the reality of it. When you lose creative control and you lose control over what you do, uh, you're, at the, you're at the whim of, of somebody else, and it's essentially a bean counter. That's not good. Uh, finally, March Madness at Paragon Tap and Table. The uh, Beer Madness starts March 7th at 5 p.m. Uh, that's uh, this coming Tuesday. Uh, I will be there uh, to be a part of that. Uh, 16 New Jersey breweries. Breweries compete one-on-one. The brewery that kicks first in its bracket moves on to the next round. It ends on March 28th, and then whoever is the winner gets to uh, have their beer on tap over at Paragon Tap and Table uh, for three months, which is really cool. Now, the matchups were done based on the brewery's untapped rating. So if you don't like the matchups, too bad. Vote, uh, you know, click on untapped and, you know, get on there. I'm on there at Gatulo and, um, you know, get your beer up there a little bit so the brackets are different. Now, here's the first round matchups. Left side of the bracket, Oak Flower against Two Ton. It's a good matchup. Bolero Snort against Three Threes. Twin Elephant against Jersey Cyclone. That's going to be a good one. Wet Ticket against Alternate Ending. Interesting. The right side of the bracket has Ashton against Brick City. That's an interesting one. Hackensack against Zigmeister. Another interesting one. Coastal Brew Works against Ross Brewing. Two newbies going at it. And the Elementary against Wild Air Beer Works. That's going to be an interesting one. I like what both of them do. So they do things a little differently, uh, but I think that's kind of cool. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Again, this starts uh, this coming Tuesday, March 7th. 16 New Jersey breweries. It starts at 5 o'clock. It ends on March 28th or whenever. The final keg is kicked. The winner gets their beer on tap at Paragon Tap and Table for three months. Really cool. When we come back after a short break, Jim Cook, the man behind Samuel Adams, will join me on the program. This is the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Welcome back to the Alcatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, Evil Fantasies from Judas Priest, back on the 28th of February in 1979. Uh, this album was released. It was actually called Evening. It was actually called uh, Killing Machine, 
but it featured the uh, iconic track Hellbent for Leather, which we played earlier in the show and uh, really propelled Judas Priest to new heights as a band. It's also the last album, by the way, that drummer Les Binks played on. Dave Holland would replace him soon after. Now, earlier this week on that day, actually, uh, February 28th, I got a chance to sit down for a few minutes to talk with Jim Cook, as I like to call him, the godfather of craft beer, the founder of Samuel Adams. They have a new remastered Boston lager uh, that is out now uh, that you can get. Just go to SamuelAdams.com for more information on where you can locate that beer. And I got a chance to talk with Jim uh, for about 10 minutes and had some great, fascinating stuff, not only to talk about the new remastered lager, but also about the beer industry in general and why it seems that lagers are making a bit of a comeback, which we've been talking about on this program for quite some time. So without further ado, here's the interview with me and Jim Cook from Samuel Adams. Boston Lager from Samuel Adams is as iconic as one of those big macro beers that we never talk about on this program. Joining me right now, and of course he's got a beer in his hand, is the man I like to call the godfather of craft beer, founder of Samuel Adams, Jim Cook. Jim, how are you? I am doing great. Like you said, I got a beer in my hand, so life doesn't suck. That's right. Jim, Boston Lager has been a staple for beer drinkers well over 30 years. Why change up such an iconic recipe? Oh, that's a really good question. Um, I got to say, this is not like new Coke and old Coke. Remastering Boston Lager is more like, you know, you have this favorite song, favorite album. It's started to have a little snap, crackle, and pop on it. And, and you remaster it by taking that original tape and cleaning it up, taking a little of the hiss out of it, getting it that much closer to perfect. That's what remastering Sam Adams was all about. And that's really part of a 38-year process of pursuing like this perfect Sam Adams Boston lager that I've always had in my mind, and I'm always trying to brew the perfect Boston lager. Now, what will folks notice about Boston Lager that has changed? Is it the color, the taste? What will they notice when it comes out of the tap or they pour it out of the bottle? They're not going to notice a color change because um, we're using all the same ingredients in the same quantities. Um, they're not going to notice a huge taste change because we're using the same recipe. So we haven't changed the recipe, haven't changed the ingredients. What they will notice is a little tweak. And uh, what they should sit and what they should taste is a brighter, smoother, cleaner, easier drinking Boston lager that just has a little bit of sparkle in the glass. We're talking with Jim Cook, the godfather of craft beer, as I like to call him, from Samuel Adams, right here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer for more info on the remastered Boston Lager, you can go to samueladams.com. Tastes change within craft beer, Jim, much more frequently than they did even 10 years ago, especially now, and especially in the younger crowd between, say, 21 and the mid-30s. Why do you think that is? Is it a fear of missing out, or is it something else? Well, I think, you know, you've got a whole new generation of craft beer drinkers, they never knew a world where there wasn't craft beer. To them, craft beer has always been this huge part of the American beer landscape. So they are more educated, more experimental. And what we're seeing now is uh, that the cohort is kind of getting IPA'd out. You know, they grew up on IPAs. 
uh, and they're starting to get some hop fatigue, and they're starting to get interested in the elegance of lager. So we're seeing a rediscovery of lager among craft beer drinkers. Lagers, of course, were, uh, like Sam Adams, among the, the foundational beers that started craft beer, and the last, like, 10 or 15 years have been all about IPAs and hoppier and hoppier IPAs, and I think, you know, that's reached saturation, so lagers are being rediscovered for, you know, the longer aging times that they require to make them smoother, for the slower, colder fermentation that make them more complex. And there's a whole new world for somebody who's been, you know, just drinking IPAs and stuck in that IPA world to see uh, a whole other part of the brewer's art. And, and Jim, I wonder if the pandemic had something to do with that because brewers had more time since a lot of places were closed or they can only do, uh, you know, takeout only. I wonder if that's changed the brewer's mindset to say, hey, look, you know what? We have eight, 12 weeks. We can put a lager in the tank and we can let it sit there for a little bit longer and maybe have a new audience, you know, rediscover these classics. Do you think that the pandemic had something to do with that? You know, I think you might be onto something there because you're right. You know, brewers uh, you know, had tank capacity that they weren't using, at, you know, at their tap rooms. There was nobody showing up. Uh, and they did have then the opportunity to devote the extra tank capacity to making lagers. You know, so instead of needing to make three batches of an IPA, they could make one batch of a lager and age it properly. Right. Uh, we're talking with Jim Cook, the godfather of craft beer from Samuel Adams, right here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer for more information on their brand new remastered Boston Lager recipe, just head over to SamuelAdams.com. Now, how has the brewing process changed in recent memory, Jim? Is it is it more technical, or do the old school methods still have a place in the brewing world? Well, Al, both of those are true, um, particularly as you know as you grow and develop as a brewer. You know, you need to start out mastering the fundamental brewing process, which hasn't changed for 10,000 years. Right. So you need to really be a great brewer uh, using the classic ingredients and the classic processes and master that. And then when you reach that level, now, you know, you begin to express yourself in new ways. In some ways, I think it was like being a painter. You know, a painter has to master uh, you know, drawing and draftsmanship as a, a beginner. They need to know how to draw a hand or a face uh, or the human body. But then, you know, you might get into more impressionistic, expressionistic stuff where you start to look like Picasso. Uh, but the same thing is kind of true with the brewer's art. After you've mastered the basic stuff, you start branching out and thinking, well, maybe I could use this non-traditional ingredient, something nobody's ever put in beer before. Um, you know, we started putting chocolate in beer decades ago, and it was really interesting to try to figure out how do we do that? I mean, you can't just, like, throw a Hershey bar in the brew kettle. You know, you've got to figure out at what stage of the chocolate-making process do you grab the ingredient? And right. for us, that was cocoa kids, 
which are kind of the original primal form of chocolate before it gets ground up and mixed with sugar and milk and so forth. So we grabbed the cocoa nibs, and then we had to figure out, you know, where do you put it in? And we, we uh, figured out we need to put it in at the aging tanks so that it can steep in this solution of, of alcohol and water, which will draw out the, the real heart of, of, of chocolate. So brewers, you know, for us, it's been part of our brewing journey to take new ingredients and find how to put them into the beer in, in unique ways. And we ended up with a, a chocolate box. The, you know, a chocolate pilsner is really not that appealing, but a rich, smooth box benefits from those chocolate notes. Absolutely. Jim, last question for me. You've helped so many people in the brewing world, and it doesn't matter the size of the company. You've always been there to lend a helping hand uh, You know, in, in the decades that you've been doing this. Why is it important for you to give back to the brewing community? Well, you know, I started when craft beer was nothing, and we had to struggle. It was hard. Right. You know, the big guys, they had all the market share. They didn't want to leave any room for us. It was hard getting a, a bar to put your beer on because they never heard of it. I had no advertising. I had no promotional budget. I just had great beer. So I recognize that struggle with, you know, new people coming into craft brewing today. And, you know, I've, I've always felt that we are, we, we craft brewers are of a single community, and that community will either succeed together or not at all. You know, Jim, that is, that is the best answer to that question because I see it in New Jersey where I live. I see it in other places how the brewing community always seems to band together. If you don't have enough grain, we can help you out. We'll lend you something. If you don't have enough of this, we'll lend you something. I've never seen it in any other business, and you're all going for the same piece of the pie. But but for some reason, the brewing community seems to pull together every single time. It's a remarkable accomplishment, and I think it's wonderful. And you know, you started it, and I think it's I think it's just a fantastic thing. My guest has been Jim Cook, the godfather of craft beer from Samuel Adams. We're here on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970. The answer, the remastered Boston Lager is on shelves now. You can get it, and if you want to know where to get it, just head over to SamuelAdams.com. Jim, thanks so much for joining me. Best of luck with the remastered Boston Lager. I cannot wait to drink it. Al, you won't be disappointed, and I appreciate the opportunity to have a beer with you. Absolutely. Thanks so much, Jim. Take care. Cheers. When we come back after a short break... It's time for Suds and Duds on the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. The lunatic is on the grass. The lunatic is on the grass Remembering games and daisy chains and laughs Got to keep the lunas on the path Final segment of the Algatulo Craft Beer cast on AM 970, The Answer. Why Pink Floyd? Why Brain Damage? Why the Dark Side of the Moon? Well, it's pretty simple. Back on uh, March 1st, uh, which was uh, this past Wednesday, 50 years ago, this album, Dark Side of the Moon, was released. Um, Probably one of the more iconic 
uh, rock albums in the past 50 years. Um, certainly Led Zeppelin and others are up there, but um, this Pink Floyd album of Dark Side of the Moon is the one, I think it's like the third most sold album of all time. Um, it's just a ridiculous album that you can listen from beginning to end. And re- really, there's there's no real way to pop around just listen to one track or two tracks or whatever. You have to kind of listen to it all the way through. And, um, you know, the whole thing with The Wizard of Oz and, you know, you started when the uh, the third lion roar and then if you, you start playing it, you play it in a loop and, you know, whatever. It, it's it's pretty wild. Now, the, the members of the band have always admitted that they never wrote this album based on The Wizard of Oz. It just seems to work out that way. Funny how things work out that way. But 50 years ago this past week, Dark Side of the Moon was released uh, in its album form. So, of course, Suds and Duds. Our final segment of the program, um, you know, the weather has been wacky lately. My sinuses have been all over the place. I think because it's been warm and cold and warm and cold, and I don't think my sinuses know how to react, so I get very um, stuffy, and it's one of those things, I get a little sinus infection, and then it seems to, my, my I get issues with my nose for at least the next month, month and a half, where I'm, I'm constantly stuffed. It's crazy. Anyway, of, of all the stuff that we've uh, been through in the last couple of years, you know. To, to whine about allergies is uh, seems a little petty or beyond the people, as I like to say on the uh, on the Joe Piscopo show. Anyway, let's dive in. Uh, you know, opening bash New York City Beer Week, which is coming to an end in just in uh, just a, a day or two. Um, what a fantastic event! Industry City uh, took place uh, the a Saturday before la- a, a week ago Saturday, and. Um, it was great. It was great to see everybody. Great to see Ann Riley for a couple of minutes. She was busy. She was running around like, like a, you know, and that's what happens at these events. You're when you're running it and stuff. You're kind of, it's kind of just you know a whole domino effect. Boom! It starts and boom, you're on the run the entire time. But boy, I'll tell you, Ann, uh, you did a fantastic job. Great place. Um, hopefully, they can hold it there again. Uh, very convenient to get to. Um, there was actually parking that you could pay for, which was great. Walked right in. Uh, the line wasn't too bad for VIP, uh, and definitely worth getting in there for the VIP. It was a little bit more, uh, you know, you can move around. Even when it opened, it certainly was not chaotic by any stretch of the imagination. You didn't really have to wait that long uh, for a lot of beers. Uh, it was great to catch up with the, uh, with Cindy and Tim and all the folks from Twin Elephant. I uh, got a chance to try uh, one of their beers. Um, I sort of missed a few things. I was sort of popping around, having conversations. Uh, I talked with uh, uh, the guys from Upward Brewing. Uh, we're trying to get them on the program. Uh, th- it's funny. So Upward Brewing was there along with Catskill Brewery. And I went to Catskill Brewery when my uh, my neighbor, my former neighbor has a house up in Livingston Manor. He took me there when uh, it had opened. This was a couple of years ago before the pandemic. And then two of the guys who worked there broke away and opened Upward, which is really about five, six minutes down the road. Um, of the two facilities, I think, and I have not been to Upward, but... Upward looks like it has a better facility. It's a nice long driveway when you go in. There's food in there, obviously. It looks picturesque. Catskill is kind of as soon as you you drive into Livingston Manor, boom, it's there. And that's not to say that their beer is bad. You know, one is worse than the other. Catskill Brewery has decent beer. I, I don't think it's as good as it used to be. Um, Upward's beer is very good. Solid stuff. Um, love drinking it. I love it when my, when my neighbor brings it home. Uh, because you can't get it down, you can't get it in New Jersey, and you can't really get it downstate. Um, I, I forgot who they did a collab with, but anyway, um, 
Upward was one of the beers that I had there, and that was very good. Brooklyn Brewery's Mega Purple. When I saw this, I said to myself, man, i got to try this. Because first off, I'm a sucker for anything purple. But boy, I'll tell you, was it absolutely delicious. Nice IPA, really, really good. Uh, Really enjoyed that one. I would definitely drink that. I would buy that. If that was in the can, I would buy that um, for sure. Um, I don't remember if I had Bottle Logic. I think I skipped them, or maybe not. I thought I had their bourbon barrel. Yeah, you know what? I did have the bourbon barrel aged a Ferrara Rocher-inspired Imperial Stout. This was really good. And it was aged in a combination of wig pig, Whistle Pig, Weller, and Bernheim bourbon barrels at 13%. Very good. A lot of guys brought a lot of boozy beers, which I appreciated. One that wasn't boozy, but I had a great conversation with Jim from Coney Island Brewery. Um, Furious 4, the uh, Hella-style lager. Um, really, really nice job on this. Um Reminiscent of honeyed cereal, uh, the Hellas Lager features uh, a slight hop bitterness for balance, um, a 5% beer, really great. Uh, I'm actually uh, in the process of setting up a day where I'm going to head out to Coney Island Brewery and tape an interview with Jim. Very excited about that. Cannot wait uh, to sit down with Jim and talk about Coney Island Brewery, which, by the way, for those of you who don't know, owned by Boston Brewery. That's right. Boston Beer. Uh, Samuel Adams. Yes. Uh, they own them. You might not have known that. Um, what else did I have here? Uh, I'm flipping through the paper, uh, of all the, uh, the beers that I, I printed out. Oh, Fiden's, uh, the Tulip Double IPA at 8.4%. Fantastic. Fiden's makes great beer. I mean, they really do. Uh, that's one of those, they're up in the Albany area. Um, they are in New York and I'm pretty sure they're in New Jersey now. So definitely have to check them out. Um, Definitely have to check them out. Evil Twin. Now, they did a dark, mild uh, collab with Prison City. Fantastic. What's with all the crows, uh, they call it? A dark, mild. Excellent. I'm a sucker for an English mild. I love English milds. So anybody that does one because it's a low ABV beer, that's definitely something uh, that I want to drink. I am never disappointed um, with an English mild. If it's done right, it is a beer you can drink over and over again all day long. And not have to worry about anything. Um, Human Robots, uh, Hello 2 Pills. Great German-style pills at 5.2%. These guys out of Philly, they do a fantastic job. Jay Wakefield, boy, I'll tell you, I had to run. They, they had The way Industry City was set up, uh, they had one main room when you walked in. And then you turned to your left, and they had a, sort of a tent uh, thing set up, which was actually warmer than the, the room in Industry City. I mean, but it wasn't, it wasn't freezing. Um, but that's where other half was in their whole, they had the entire back row of their pastry stouts. I didn't even get the names of the pastry stouts. One had banana. It was like a bananas foster. The other one was like a deep, dark chocolate. It was just, both of them were unbelievable. The two tastes that I had from that. Uh, but Jay Wakefield's Desperado, a 10 year Woodford barrel aged Imperial stout with ancho chilies, uh, cassia and cocoa nibs. The, the heat was perfect on it. It just gave you just enough to kind of know that, you know, it was there kind of pal, you know, hit your, uh, your palate a little bit, and then moved on from it. Fantastic beer. Uh, delicious. Loved what Jay Wakefield does. Fantastic stuff. Next time, if I get down to Miami, I have to go and check them out. Killsboro Brewing had the Kilsner. Uh, got a great update from Sean Torres. Um, they have all their final approvals. Looks like they're going to start brewing beer sometime in May, and they're going to be brewing all of their beer out of the facility. They're probably on target for a fall opening, the brewery only, and then... Um, They will uh, do food next year, but it looks like the brewery portion itself is going to be open uh, come September. And uh, Sean did tell me they are doing pizza party again. It will be at the end of July. Uh, They have the date locked in already. 
Um, I may not be able to make it. I may be in Colorado. Uh, so we will see what happens there, but we'll get you all the information we're going to have Sean on probably next month. Uh, we'll have Sean on, and we'll talk more about uh, Pizza Party. Uh, Japa Savasaria was there. It was great to catch up um, with uh, the um, the distributors of uh, Japa Savasaria. Uh, love those people, and I'm trying to get them into Jersey because this beer needs to be drunk in Jersey. It is, it's fantastic. I had the Oshi, the Belgian whip beer with ginger. Excellent. That ginger flavor was perfect. And the Kimo Kawaii, I believe is how it's pronounced, the Imperial Sour, Blackberry Hibiscus, and Dragon Fruit. Oh, my goodness. So good, um, I love it. I have to find I have to find their beer in the city and and bring it home because it's just it's so good. It really is. Uh, I did have Mortalis Brewing's Knox there, stout with toasted coconut, delicious. Another great beer. Uh, hop Foo from North Park. That's a great double dry hop um, uh, IPA with uh, Citra, Simcoe, Chinook, Mosaic, and Amarillo hops at seven and a half percent. As I said, the other half Pastry Town beers had two of them. Outstanding. Prison City Brewing, when when they have the barrel-aged wham-whams, you got to go for it. I mean, I know their Mass Ride is a fantastic uh, IPA, um, but wham-whams is just an amazing beer. All of the different flavors. you got Four Rose Barrel Whiskey, Buffalo Trace, uh, House Toasted Coconut, Whole Madagascar Vanilla Beans at 11%. It's an awesome beer. Uh, and then I'm trying to think, what was the last? Six Points, Marion Berry Sour, very nice fruited Ber- uh, Berlin Air Vice. Um, was impressed with that. Had Torch and Crowns, please advise IPA. Excellent. Really, really good, that mosaic. Um, Timberales had their I Assure You We Make Stouts. Excellent. Couldn't have had a better beer. Um, this was a collab with Fidens, conditioned on toasted coconut and coffee. Unbelievable. Uh, had the uh, Strawberry Lemonade Splash Sour Ale uh, from Talea Beer. That was delicious at 5%. Uh, what else? What is this? Oh, Twin Elephants. Um, I had the uh, Trink Letter, the uh, Hellas Lager. Excellent. I had Upwards Base Camp Lager Beer, a great dry hop pale lager with tropical peach. And then, what was this last one? Oh, Tripping Animals. That's the one that I had, Tripping Animals. This was the um, Scarlet Double Barrel Imperial Stout. They aged this for over two years in Baker 7 bourbon barrels, 22 months, and Cherry Brandy Barrels, conditioned with dry cherry, toasted coconut, cacao nibs, and vanilla beans. Oh, my goodness. That was good stuff. Folks, we are out of time. My thanks to everybody involved in the program. Uh, thank you uh, to Ann Riley uh, for getting me in uh, to the uh, New York City uh, Beer Week kickoff. That was fantastic. Thank you so much. And finally, of course, uh, Jim Cook from Sam Adams. Thank you, sir. Appreciated the interview. It was a great time. And, of course, last but not least, the great Buddy Watson. Back Monday on the Joe Piscopo Show at 6 a.m. This has been the Algatulo Craft Beer Cast on AM 970, The Answer. Cheers, everybody. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.